let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Today on CityCast DC, there's an interesting bill winding its way to the council right now. How would you, a DC taxpayer, feel about getting to decide which local news sources get government funding? Washington City Paper's Alex Coma is here to break down all the details. I'm producer Julia Kieran, and here's what DC is talking about. All right, so Alex, the DC Council is considering a bill that would help fund and revitalize local news. How is this thing going to work? <laughs> well, we're, we're definitely waiting to see whether this sort of structure makes sense. But basically what council members uh, Janice Lewis-George and Brianne Nadeau um, have laid out um, is that this would sort of be a model that would take, I believe it's 0.1% of the DC budget every year. So uh, for this year, that'd be about $11 million and devote that in the form of uh, grants that would go to local news outlets, perhaps like uh, the, the two of us, if we're lucky enough. And the idea is that rather than having the politicians um, who we're covering decide who gets the funding, this would be a chance for, I think it's every registered voter in the district would get essentially a news voucher, a, a coupon of sorts to hand out to uh, the local media outlets that they think that deserve uh, funding and that they would like to see get a little extra support. So how is the council going to decide which outlets are going to get this funding via coupons? Yeah, basically the threshold that they'll establish is they'll say that, you know, if you're a local news outlet, you can register to potentially get this funding. That's sort of the one thing that the city has to do um, with all of this. And then it goes to the voters. Probably the most important distinction is that, you know, any local news coverage that then a qualifying outlet has to offer has to be free for readers. And, you know, that's it's certainly not something that even the Washington Post can say that they offer all the time. They've got a paywall. Even someone like the Washington Business Journal, one of my former employers, they've got a, a pretty tough paywall to get beyond because that's the model they pursue. So that could potentially either force those outlets to rethink that model or maybe just means that this money goes elsewhere. It would also exclude TV stations, um, not because the council uh, doesn't especially like uh, TV journalism, although as a former local TV news practitioner myself, I can tell you that it is not always uh, the, the sort of outlet with the best incentive. But this is instead a more technical reason. Cable franchise fees pay right now for um, a lot of public access uh, television. And the council was, I think, a little wary of messing with all of that because it might force some renegotiations with the cable operators, which doesn't sound pleasant. So I think one of the top of mind things that everyone's thinking about is how much is this going to cost? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, you know, as I said, the the number that they've thrown out um, is 0.1% of the budget. You know, that is essentially designed to take the program out of the, um, you know, the yearly budgeting. Because, you know, ordinarily, money for something like this gets determined, you know, every year as the council um, and the mayor work together to decide what the spending plan is going to be. This legislation is uh, not unusual per se, but definitely is more definitive in saying it is going to be 0.1% of the budget come hell or high water. And and that I think you will probably end up seeing some pushback on because the city has a lot of other priorities. It has an uncertain budget picture moving forward. So the long and short of it is $11 million is not even close to the biggest line item on DC's budget, but it is still meaningful uh, for sure. And it's going to get attention um, just because not a lot of politicians love the idea of funding local news. So how much money will each outlet get per coupon? Is it like, does it magically pay for potentially your or my salary per (laughs) coupon? Or is it a little less than that? Are we thinking? So the per coupon thing is difficult to know because it kind of depends on how many registered voters actually allocate the coupons that they get. For instance, a lot of this program is based off of similar work in Seattle, where rather than funding for local news, they were giving people funding for um, public elections, um, basically using public money to help fund uh, local elections. And so, you know, in that instance, obviously, you can imagine not a ton of people pay attention to local elections, just as not a ton of people uh, pay attention to local news. And so I think you can imagine a world where you're seeing only a small percentage of registered voters actually allocate this money. So the amount per coupon, we're not quite sure about. But, you know, if it's $11 million, some of the numbers that the council members outlined as they started selling the bill basically said maybe a news outlet, uh, maybe something like City Paper, which has a devoted following, we hope, but, you know, is not the largest uh, news outlet in town. Could they expect to see 10, 20 percent And that means, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. I mean, speaking for us, that's certainly not nothing. Is it enough to fund an extra reporter or two? Yeah, maybe. It depends on on how the news outlets would start budgeting around this and trying to treat this as a regular contribution. It's time to get dressed up, DC. So Others Might Eat is having its Young Professionals Network Spring Soiree that's to help raise funds for homelessness in DC. The gala is on the evening of May 17th at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. There will be live music from DJ Heat from the Washington Wizards, photo booths, food, and even a special appearance by a former actor from Pretty Little Liars. Wow. There will also be a canned food drive, so be sure to bring a few cans to support Sum's Food Pantry. Grab tickets before they're gone at sum.org slash spring soiree. That's S-O-M-E dot O-R-G slash spring soiree. See you there. All right, Alex. So what is actually the likelihood that this thing is going to make its way through the council and get passed? 
We've got two council members that have co-introduced it. We're not sure yet how many are going to co-sponsor it. That's kind of a good sign for gauging the early support on the council is how many people are willing to slap their name on it. It doesn't always mean if you get a majority of council members that the bill's going to move. You know, much like things in Congress, it depends which committee it goes to. And and I'd say, you know, the early reaction to it has been pretty divided. Uh, So it's, it's very TBD whether this happens at all. So who exactly wrote this bill? You mentioned that council is like, "Mm, maybe yes, maybe no on this thing going through, because it seems like council members Denise Lewis-George and Brianna Doe like didn't write this themselves, right? Yeah, I think as is the case with uh, many bills that you'll see come before the council, they were certainly involved in what I would describe as like taking an idea and making it work for D.C.'s system of governance. But the idea itself comes from a uh, left-leaning group called the uh, Democracy Policy Network. They are basically working on ideas, you know, that I would describe as sort of pushing the envelope, thinking out of the box for things that could make local government, federal government, um, you know, a little more innovative and democracy stronger. You know, they are proponents of things like the Green New Deal, uh, as well as, in fact, like more public funding for campaigns themselves, which is kind of how they landed on the Seattle idea. And they have been sort of beating the drum of local news funding as this idea has gained steam elsewhere around the country as a way to, you know, make restore a little more uh, trust in, in government um, by helping people feel a little more in tune with what their local government is doing. You and I both know that news is considered the fourth estate, and it's obviously important that there's a barrier between journalists and the government. Obviously, potentially, if the government is paying journalists, that might sway journalists to kind of steer clear maybe of something fishy going down. So does this bill take that into consideration? Like, how does it protect journalistic integrity? The way that they are trying to address that is via the voucher concept, right? The idea being that even though the government will administer the program, and it's worth saying that they're also hoping to set up, I I think it's called a community journalism board um, with various government officials who will sort of look over the money, make sure that it's being spent appropriately, that it's, you know, the various news outlets, it'll have to go into a separate account and the government will have some visibility into what they're doing with it if they are indeed using it to expand local coverage and that sort of thing. So it's it's not as if the, the government will have zero role here, but they are essentially hoping to eliminate those kinds of concerns by saying to voters, you're the ones who are going to decide where this money goes. The question is, you know, how they sort of build that engagement of on people. I mean, we we definitely have a lot of people who read about and care local news, but it's as local news has declined, so has our readership. Um, and so it's it's a real open question to me about whether this can get the kind of public participation it needs to not have just the most committed voices in the community being the ones deciding where this funding goes. That to me is as much of the question as it is about government independence at this point is, is it going to be the same five people that are commenting on all our articles and <laughs> tweeting them out who are, who are essentially making this decision? Why do they think this bill is necessary? Like if they think funding local news is important, why not just be like, hey, you know what? Every newspaper, maybe you get like a paywall or you turn to a nonprofit and the government funds it. Like, why do they think this bill is the solution? Yeah, I mean, you know, newsletters around the country have been experimenting with different models, um, but the problem is none of them have worked really so far. And so this is sort of another iteration in the experiment, I would say, that the reason that they see this as important is because 
both from the council members' perspective and from you know these national advocates' perspective, is that there are a lot of studies that show that local journalism tends to save governments money by uh, rooting out corruption and abuse. It tends to reduce polarization because it um, makes issues feel a little more local and a little less national, which is certainly something we've seen in D.C. Um, over the last few years in particular. And, you know, I think that those are all interests that the government can reasonably have, even if they may not relish getting tough questions for you or I, um, you know, they could still have interests in these other factors. And I think that their argument is even if we don't know for sure that this model will work, we've got to try something because local news outlets both in D.C. and around the country are really struggling right now. Even the Washington Post is laying off, I think it's 250 journalists. They're asking to take buyouts and a good number of those are coming on the local desk. And if the Washington Post owned by the richest man in the world can't do this, then who can? You mentioned the the potential post layoffs, and obviously Councilmember Lewis George, she introduced this bill at the time when the Post is making those cuts. So what's your take on the state of local news in D.C. amid those cuts coming? Yeah, frankly, I wish I had more optimistic things to say. Um, <laughs> you and me both. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the small bit of good news is that we have seen new outlets start up, such as CityCast, such as Axios moving into the local space. And that's been very good for D.C. journalism. But on the flip side is the Post has, you know, been steadily cutting back its metro section basically ever since Jeff Bezos took over. The Post has the most resources of anyone, and they kind of set the pace around here. And You know, the other place to turn is to look at NPR's affiliate, uh, WAMU, which also owns DCS, which again is, is, has for years been one of the premier places to find local DC news. And they have seen several prominent reporters leave. Um, Martin Ostermule, chief among them, um, as their top DC uh, correspondent, Jordan Pascal, who was their, uh, transportation reporter. And um, they haven't even started hiring um, for those positions. And, and you know, it makes you worry as, as a, a local reporter, you know, on the one hand, there are fewer people uh, pursuing scoops alongside you. So I, I guess I can't be that mad about it. But it, it definitely uh, shoots your eyebrows up as you see fewer and fewer people at these press conferences alongside you, making you wonder how sustainable is this uh, in our city without whether it's this solution or something else, uh, a change here. So if this thing is passed, what kind of impact do you think this bill would have on D.C.'s new scene, which is kind of going undergoing a little bit of attrition right now? Yeah, well, I guess I'm hopeful. I mean, it's obviously very difficult to uh, know because even though there have been efforts to fund local news elsewhere around the country, it's never quite looked like this. Um, there have been, you know, considerations of direct grants. There have been considerations of tax credits um, at both the state and federal level. But uh, ne- it's never quite looked like this, you know, news voucher program. So it's it's hard to know. You know, as I alluded to before, Will local news outlets uh, be able to make decisions about hiring reporters, um, expanding their coverage area, investing in new office space or tools or equipment if they don't know how much of like their funding that they're getting year over year? I, I just don't know. I- I'm not in the accounting department, but it strikes me that just as the government needs to know how much money is coming in to set its budget each year, that it will be difficult for news outlets if they don't know, you know, hey, maybe people uh, vote for, you know, the competition this year and, and your grant funding diminishes. I'm sure it'll all still be helpful. Will it, you know, force a sea change in local journalism? Well, I, I suppose it would have to be a kind of wait and see approach. And uh, frankly, I'm, I'm just not sure if we'll even get the chance to find out. Uh, but I suppose we'll see. 
Alex Coma, thank you for explaining this bill to us. And I don't know, maybe we'll both get coupons in our near future <laughs> funded by the taxpayers. Yeah, I'll, I'll come back and talk to you when I get my first uh, raise coming out of this. <laughs> That's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoy the show, why not tell a friend who would use their local news coupon on us? They can rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. See ya.